Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty and Ryan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 134 of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty, and as always, I'm joined by my forever co-host and brother-in-law. We've entered the new year. Ryan, how you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah. It's been a while, what, three weeks. Um, a lot's happened, I mm. think, for both of us. Yeah. Um, nothing too crazy. I I mean, we released an episode around Christmas time, um, and I was on shutdown. Um, so I had that week off through New Year's. Um, I screwed up my sleep schedule mm. so bad. You and me both, buddy. Uh Minecraft took over my life during shutdown and like I was like I'm gonna get some normal sleep trying to get back into getting up early um and then I went to bed at two one night and then it didn't it didn't go well you never looked back no the problem is like I was trying to like hard cut into like sleep like three hours one night get up six and then force myself into going to bed early mm-hmm. but then it turned into me like going to bed at two and then waking up at three or like four or five and then just staying up the rest of the day three days in a row so like i it was utterly fucked wow um but luckily now i'm in a good routine uh doing those new year's resolutions so cool i'm in a good place Good for you, man. Yeah, no, I definitely messed up my sleep schedule as well, just because I only had that week of Christmas off. But even as I was saying, I think on that episode uh, that we released New Year's or Christmas Eve, and I was going to try and front load a lot of my work and then in the back half of the week kind of take it a little bit more chill, play games and stuff like that and uh, stay up way too late, which is definitely something that I did playing great games and watching some good shows. But we're going to get into all of that and a whole heck of a lot more because this is the episode we always record after our top 10 games of the year. We have to talk about, because Ryan, I'm not sure if you're aware, the video games don't stop coming. No, they do not. And we got to talk about our top 10 most anticipated games coming into this new and beautiful year that is 2022. I hope it's beautiful. It's got to be better than 2021, right? Yes, 2021 was rough. 2020 was also rough. Mm. So maybe third year going, we'll get a good year. Yeah, third time is definitely a charm. At least that's what we're going to go with here. But (laughs) yeah, so we're going to get into at the very uh, tail end of the show, our top 10 most anticipated games of the year. I think it's shaping up to be pretty interesting. So uh, of course, delays are imminent for certain games, but we'll get into all of that and more pretty soon. But we have to talk about some life stuff, some uh, where the show's going in the near term kind of stuff. We'll get into that. We have some emails that kind of trailed and trickled in at the tail end of last episode and (laughs) some emails that I just didn't have the mental capacity to read because if you didn't listen to our last episode, it was four hours and seven minutes. It was only about (laughs) three and a half hours of us actually talking, but talking for three and a half hours is definitely pretty exhausting. Yeah, I want to say it's only been like three episodes that we've gotten that far. Mm-hmm. And by the end of all of those episodes, we were like new people and just delirious. <laughs> like we were seeing things. Yeah, we were spent. Yeah. And so if you want to see a little bit of slap happy Rusty and Ryan, go back and listen to that last episode. And also if you want to hear our top 10 games of the year, 
go back and listen to that episode, as well as a ton of community uh, involvement with that uh, Game of the Year special. It was a lot of fun, and I even recorded a 30-minute medley of some of the best tunes uh, from video games last year. So go check that out. It was definitely lots of good stuff. So some emails that we'll get to from that. We also have a Chronos Correction Corner email to get to today, and then the usual segments, games we've been playing, and all of that fun stuff. But Ryan, let's kick off the episode talking through some life stuff, all right? Yeah. Um, about a week ago, I got an email from Ryan, and, um, you know, it's with some regret that I do announce that, you know, Ryan, he's been such a great co-host for, gosh, we're, we're almost at four years now, you know? Yeah. And um, he's decided to take his talents elsewhere, outside of Otaka Brothers. Um, Is this you firing me? <laughs> no, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just bringing to light the truth of the email that you sent me a week ago. And it was um, a little hurtful, but again, I, I'm so excited to see how much you've grown over the past four years. Um, you know, you don't go down the rabbit holes as much as you used to about the shiny Pokemon and stuff like that. You've definitely graduated to stuff like Animal Crossing and and RuneScape and, and now Minecraft. And, and I'm really excited to see where you go with this new podcast with Chronolink91, where you talk about development cycles of future Pokemon games. Dude, uh, we we have like a 20-part series coming up, so be ready. It's going to be really yeah interesting. <laughs> so, uh, no, all of that joking aside, uh, Rusty, Ari Lewis 2011, is actually going to step down for a little bit. We are going to be doing a bit of a hiatus with the podcast. There's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. And uh, in March, I'm very fortunate, very thankful, and excited to begin um, this new kind of educational cybersecurity program. It's a 30-week thing, so it'll run through October. And I'm also kind of be going to be rotating out of my current role elsewhere in the organization that I work for. So a lot of stuff that's coming to a head all at once, and I want to make sure that um, I'm in a good place kind of mentally and emotionally uh, before that. And as much as I love doing this podcast, it is a lot for us every single weekend. You know, Ryan and I, we we joke that, yes, these are long episodes, normally around two to two and a half hours, but we're talking and sitting behind the microphones for like six to seven. Yeah. No, I mean, like even just trying to start this episode, what time is it now? Like 11.15. I got here at 10 and we tried to record for the last like 45 minutes. Yeah. So, and thankfully that wasn't testing. That was just shooting the shit. Yeah. Really. Just not seeing each other for three weeks. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's good. Congratulations on all your uh, life things. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. Thank you. So what Ryan and I are kind of thinking about and talking uh, to my wife, Lauren, about is, you know, we've had the Otaku Brothers name for four years. What if it became Otaku Siblings? Yeah. And, you know, so you Ryan and Lauren, in my absence, <laughs> got behind the mic for a couple of episodes. What it looks like, I don't really know yet because, of course, I'll still be editing it behind the scenes. But um, I find editing pretty relaxing, therapeutic. And certainly if I'm reading about um, software development and the mainframe and all that boring stuff, I'm going to need a break from that. Yes. And uh, yeah. it'll, it'll be nice to maybe edit some episodes here and there. And, and here, you know, you and Lauren getting behind the mics and talking a little bit. Yeah, it's definitely something we'll probably consider. Um, I'll have to talk to Lauren, obviously, but she seemed game when we mm -hmm. talked to her downstairs. Yeah, absolutely. So stay tuned for that. We'll have more details in the future, but this will be the last episode that we put out uh, for a little while. I say a little while could mean a lot of things. I'd love to get behind the mic with Ryan in about a month to talk about Elden Ring and Horizon Forbidden West because yeah. those are both coming out within a week of each other. So 
probably expect another episode from us, uh, at least Ryan and I, end of February, early March. Maybe we'll squeak in an episode with Ryan and Lauren between now and then. Yeah, sounds like a plan. All right, all the sad, goopy stuff out of the way, Ryan. I want to hear about this game you've been playing. It's a new game. Yes, it hasn't been out too long, only 10 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, It came out, I think, the same day as Skyrim. Oh. Yeah, and this game is Minecraft. Oh, boy. Um, And this is my healthier... Uh, version of playing RuneScape. Um, so I've migrated and put down the MMOs for good hopefully you. a good long while, um, maybe a five-year hiatus uh, per the usual. And uh, I picked up Minecraft, and it allows me to kind of stretch the artistic side of my mind a little bit. Um, last episode, if not the one before, I talked about kind of my amplified world with my dual spawners that turned Rusty's mind to mush. Mm-hmm. And I started a new world um, just because I was watching a few videos on different seeds or different terrain generation Mm -hmm. is what the seeds are. Um, And I found one I really liked. And what that is, it's two relatively large islands, um, pretty basically in a giant ocean of a world. Um, And they're jungles slash bamboo forests. So you got pandas running around. They Um, have pandas in Minecraft? Yeah, they do. They really yeah. expanded the wildlife scene there. Yeah, there's a lot. And the next update, they're adding like swamp frogs. Oh, cool. Um, they've got like goats um, that they added recently. They've got polar bears. So it's, it's hmm. grown a lot in the last 10 years. Um, and the reason I'm kind of starting a new world or the, these last two worlds is because of that Caves and Cliffs update where they expand, mm. they updated the terrain generation above the ground and then also below. Mm. Um, so... Yeah, I found these worlds and one of the islands, it's just kind of a big island with some cool uh, caves below. And then the other one has kind of like an outlet, like a cove. And I've always loved in Pirates of the Caribbean, kind of that island that they go to with all of the degenerate acts and just pirates just living it up. Oh, yeah. So what I wanted to do was kind of edit the terrain. Um, There was some... Like there's a, I forget that it's like a glow cave or something. It's a new kind of caving system. So it's there. You have all these glowing reeds and things from the ceiling. So it looks really cool. Um, and then in the middle of this cove is just this giant, giant drop into the cave. Um, but I wanted to kind of make that cove Pirates of the Caribbean um, thing. And I, I posted pictures of some of my progress in the Discord. The, uh, was it the Photoshop? Um portion of the discord yeah photo mode hype yeah photo mode hype and uh so i posted five pictures there with my current progress um what and the last one being kind of a pinterest picture i found that i wanted to base a lot of um the feel off of so you have scaffolding going up different levels kind of branching out along with a giant ship in the harbor it looks really nice yeah i mean you've definitely spent a considerable amount of time putting it together i guess for the for the ship that you built like what does that look like do you just start with a giant rectangle square thing that you pick at uh so for that one i actually because i'm not good at mapping out boats especially to that larger scale mm-hmm. and i'm trying to play in survival so i don't have unlimited blocks i'm not flying around okay uh so i found a tutorial and the boat i think it was the queen something it's off of pirates of the caribbean it's the british ship that goes after jack sparrow's ship Oh, so okay. like that, the people who make a deal with uh, Squid Boy. <laughs> <laughs> and 
Yeah, so it's it's that Davy Jones. Yeah, Davy Jones. That one. Yeah, and uh, so it's that ship, um, but by a YouTuber who made like a four-hour tutorial. Um, so what he has in his description was like a, a word document saying, "Hey, if you're going to build it in survival, one, you're stupid, and then two, here's all of the resources you need." Mm-hmm. So it's like you need a thousand wood fences. So I'm basically mine or. Chop down a bunch of trees of specific different woods, and then you go ahead and start building layer by layer. Basically, finding the materia for the Ultima Blade of Minecraft. Yes, luckily the Ultima Blade is way less time-consuming Kingdom Hearts slash Minecraft than yeah. building a boat. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. I'm I'm my normal trek in how I approach Minecraft worlds. Probably not the best, but I usually go in use stone tools until i can go jump right to diamond Mm. and i make a enchanting table and i never use like real diamonds for diamond tools except for the initial Mm -hmm. one because i like playing around with the villagers and basically the villagers you can make a spawner really early in the game it allows you to get emeralds and then trade for like diamond armor diamond tools so you're not waste wasting like raw diamonds that you find in the wild gotcha um, and then after that, I generally use all of my iron to make an iron farm. And I put one of the pictures of my iron farm in there. And that's really handy for trading, um, getting lots of emeralds early on. I think I have right now, it spawns like a stack. A stack is 64, um, like iron ingots every 20 minutes. Okay. So I'm starting to space out. Okay. Sorry. It spawns a lot of iron, which is good for things. Money good. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know how basic. Uh, yeah, I, I'm having a lot of fun. I, I don't want to ramble on about this. Um, but yeah, I posted some pictures. And then as we take this hiatus, I'm, I made a shit ton of progress last night on my boat um, when I was doing notes. So yeah, when I finish that with all the sales, I'll probably post another picture. Cool. Yeah, a little shout out to the Discord. If you're not in there, click that little link in the show notes. Yeah, but besides that, I mean, I have some games on the horizon that I'll be playing once we go into our goals mm. um, for next year. So I'll mention that. But like these last three weeks, it's just been Minecraft. Good stuff, man. Um, it's good to hear. I know we talked about at the top of the show, too, that I was going to read those emails. So we'll get to those after my games that I was playing or that I've been playing recently. So the first one, kind of circling back to my comments, I believe, during our Game of the Year episode, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Some history with this one, if you didn't listen to prior episodes or you're new to Otaku Brothers, I swore that I would never play Origins, Odyssey, Valhalla. You know, for the past couple of years, I've been saying there's no need for anyone to be playing Assassin's Creed games for 50 plus hours. Yeah. Well, I ate those words pretty quick when I went into like a Viking (laughs) Norse mythology kick back in December, uh, especially after coming off of beating God of War. I just wanted more of that mythos, that world and all of that good stuff. So Assassin's Creed Valhalla, I beat it. I got credits in it. And I have the same criticisms that I mentioned earlier where, you know, you, you're faced with all of these moral dilemma type questions where do you choose this dialogue choice or that dialogue choice? And it doesn't really have much payoff or meaning uh, in the grander scheme of things, especially towards the end and how the story wraps up. And towards the end of the game, you kind of go back, you get removed from the Animus, you're playing as this other woman. Okay. And I feel like we were left on a cliffhanger there, 
And then I had the option to kind of just free roam around this um, this cabin. And I didn't know what I was supposed to do because I couldn't go anywhere. It's not like it's the open world of Valhalla where I can fucking, you know, whistle to my horse and start riding around, yeah. you know, America. So I went back in the Animus and then I played this last mission and technically the game ended and I became um, like the king of my city or whatever. Yeah. So it was just kind of anticlimactic. I thought we were building up to something a bit bigger. So I'm not sure if I missed something, but when I went to uh, YouTube and I typed in like Valhalla final scene um, and I played it back, I'm like, okay, I guess, I guess it makes sense. This is somewhat climactic, but not what I was anticipating. So kind of like writing my, my <laughs> earlier comments, I just felt like the whole game for 50, 60 hours was building up to this thing and that thing just didn't really happen. So. so is it worth finishing past the point of you having fun or like wanting to explore all the areas? Yeah. I mean, if I put 40, 50 hours into a game and it takes me 60 to see the credits roll, I mean, I'm not going to stop there. Right. Yeah. Um, and all of that being said, I thought there's no way I'm going back to this game. But because of all the stress I've been under with work, I didn't really want to commit to much uh, in the way of story, JRPG or anything like that. So yeah. I went right back to Valhalla and... And I think what I kind of the epiphany that I had uh, with this game around that 60 to 70 hour mark now is it has the gameplay loop that I've been missing from the newer Far Cry games, which is immediately at the start of the game, you have this crazy large map. You have all of those synchronization points all over the place that you can immediately run to. You're going to go into territories and areas where you're way under leveled. But you can still sneak around and stealthily make your way around, sink the point, assassinate people, collect a bunch of loot, and get out. Mm -hmm. Well, in Far Cry 3 and 4, what I loved is I start the story. I immediately am introduced to this crazy large map. I see all the points, all the towers that I can go to, and basically the equivalent of synchronize that point. Collect a bunch of loot, kill all the people in a stealthy way, and get out. Well... Far Cry 5 and certainly Far Cry 6, it doesn't really have that gameplay loop of being able to see all those different um, tower points that you can go to, go into those pocketed little cities and areas, sniper rifle everyone, and get out. But Assassin's Creed really offers that gameplay loop. And so that's what I've been going back to uh, repeatedly over the past couple of weeks after I sign off of work, is putting on a podcast, putting on a Twitch stream, and just doing that gameplay loop. And so what I also did is I downloaded the season pass. It was on sale for 20 originally 40 uh, which I find uh, definitely uh, doable because I bought the game for 25 I got the season pass for 20 so for $45, I got basically everything Valhalla had to offer. Nice. And so the DLC, I just started the Ireland DLC. So you get to get on a boat, ship your way off to Ireland, and it's kind of just a probably 10% of the map of Valhalla. Okay. Yeah, um, I was going to ask base game. comparatively to the base. Yeah. It's about 10% of that. So, so it's not it, too overwhelming. What is that, like a six-hour campaign? If, yeah. Like, it's about okay. six to eight. And then I also, as part of that season pass, got access to the Paris DLC, okay. uh, which I've not gone into yet. So right now I'm just kind of running around the island one, but I'm getting a little burnt out. So I'll probably put it down for now uh, in favor of some other games. And what, what's the point of the DLC? Is it just to explore? Is it to get new armor or is it more quests? All the above. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a six to eight story there. Um, I'm not sure how connected it is to the events of base game Valhalla, okay. but the power level and this 
and in Ireland's like 55 and I'm like 260. <laughs> so I'm kind of just annihilating people, yeah. which is nice. Nice. So Valhalla is very, uh, a very surprising game for me last year. And one, I will probably continually go back to because again, that gameplay loop is always there. Um, raiding and pillaging villages, collecting gold, going back to my hometown and kind of building up that place is just, uh, it's a fun one. Good. I'm glad you enjoyed yourself for the most part. Yeah, if not a bit mindless. So that's kind of the experience I needed towards the tail end of the year. Uh, But yeah, it's been good stuff. Speaking of surprising games, Ryan, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. This was on a lot of people's game of the year list. And I think the um, the overwhelming response to this game is I can't believe this game is as good as it is. Because if you'll recall, I think it was at a PlayStation State of Play or maybe it was even <laughs> E3. I yeah. think it was E3 because during Square Enix's presentation, they spent like 15 minutes on this game. Yeah, it was 20 minutes and we're like, we've seen half the game at this point and they've gone to like a crap ton of planets. We got a bunch of dialogue and yeah, the main complaint was it was like, are there other games in development besides Justice Guardians? Because that was the first time we heard about it, too. Yeah. It was not like, hey, here's a trailer for two minutes. It was like out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy, 30 minutes later. Yeah. And the interesting thing about that gameplay footage we saw is that I thought the dialogue. I mean, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy with Chris Pratt and team is probably top five Marvel movies for me. Yeah. So good. And I occasionally will go back to it because it's just comfort, food, popcorn, fun, especially with that soundtrack. Soundtrack's amazing. It doesn't take itself too seriously. I mean, all the characters work so well. Exactly. So seeing the gameplay footage for this this particular game, I'm like, the jokes are falling flat. I don't really find the voice actors to have much chemistry. And the gameplay doesn't really look that fun, you know? Yeah, because I think it's all based around Peter Quill's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so flash forward, you know, five to six months or whatever, um, I saw that everyone was, you know, talking about this game at the end of the year being a big surprise for them. I thought it's 30 bucks on Amazon for PS5. I'll pick it up and give it a go, especially while I have some time off at the tail end of the year. I'm six chapters in and I'm happy to report that I too find this game to be such a terrific surprise, uh, a delight to play in most respects. And if I could compare it to anything, surprisingly, kind of the chapter to chapter storytelling is comparable to something like Uncharted. Really? Yeah. It's, I wow. Mean, I, I say that not because it's to the caliber, caliber necessarily writing of a Naughty Dog Uncharted game, especially some of those later ones like Foreign yeah. and Lost Legacy. However, the moment to moment gameplay, you're in these environments that are very linear driving you towards this place at the end of this chapter, but you can go off the beaten path and find collectibles. You can find costumes for your characters, Drax, Rocket, Groot, Peter Quill, Gamora from the films. Oh, cool. So right now, like I have Rocket and Peter Quill wearing the outfits that they, they wore in Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one. And that's a visual thing that you see when he changes outfits. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, awesome. so, and then there's, you know, I think different suits from um, popular comic books that they were in and stuff like that. So it's cool that they kind of um, really cater to not just 
fans of the movies, but some comic book stuff as well. And then you're on chapter six out of how many? I think 15 or 16. And so okay. what was really neat to start the game, not giving many spoilers because you'll, you'll, you'll find this out as soon as you boot the game up. You're playing as a young Peter Quill. You're 13 years old. You're at home. So you're not like Star-Lord Peter Quill yet. Yeah. And you're just sitting on your bed with your headphones in, listening to this kick-ass music that if you listen to our last episode or the um, end of the year medley that I put together, that hard like Metallica-type rock music was from this game. And so you're just listening to this band and your mom comes in and she's like, Peter, you know, it's your 13-year uh, you're, you're 13 years old today. Come upstairs. I made you a cake. And you're like, okay, mom. And then you get the ability to pull off your headphones and just walk around your room and just see all kinds of really neat 80s callbacks. So that is very much like Uncharted 4s, like when you turn out Nathan Drake in his attic. Exactly. So if you've played something like uh, Gone Home, I remember that was a really um, big kind of uh, – first-person exploration-type game that came out on uh, PC, gosh, at this point, probably about 10 years ago. And what people loved about that game so much outside of the story itself was wandering around this house, trying to figure out where your family was, but also sifting through all of the 90s stuff. And uh, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy does something very similarly with just all the 80s lore. That you, cool. that you get to kind of explore and pick up all these different items. And, of course, Peter Quill has commentary for each thing that you p- pick up or inspect and stuff like that. And so how the game is structured is you're kind of going back and forth between this day, th- this event that ends up taking place, as you kind of begin to discover who your dad is, you know, and stuff like that. And yeah. it ties into the events of, okay, it flashes forward about 10 years, 20 years, whatever it is. You're playing as Peter Quill. You're now Star-Lord. You're on your ship. You have your crew of people. Um, and it just kind of ping-pongs between the earlier events and the current day events. Very cool. So, And how does it line up with the movies from Marvel? Or is it its own kind of story? I think it's its own kind of story. Okay. Um, my biggest complaint about it, and <laughs> this is going to sound uh, a, a bit harsh, is that it's just not that fun to play especially when it comes to the combat Mm. so combat is you know you get to this kind of uh repeatedly get into these areas where there's just waves and waves of enemies and as you play as peter quill you basically just hold down the r2 button and shoot your little blasters and if you've played something like gears of war and you have that auto reload where that little meter comes down you try and lock it in and you quickly reload it's kind of just dodge rolling dudes, shooting dudes, and then um, you can use the the face buttons to command Gamora, Drax, and your different characters to perform different combos on the enemies. Yeah, I could see that being really repetitive. Some like contrary to Marvel's Avengers, which you'd have more unique kind of styles per mm-hmm. character. Yes, just using guns would get kind of old after a while. And, you know, Peter Quill, he gets power-ups. You get power-ups specific to your blasters. So more recently, I got this ice power-up thing where I can freeze guys and then punch them and they explode. So they do mix up the formula a little bit, but not in a way that it makes combat that much more meaningful or fun. Yeah, I I think with that, you would have to take it to the extent to, like, Ratchet and Clank. Yeah, Where you have it, like, extremely unique. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. so that the gameplay doesn't feel repetitive. Yeah. But I mean, all that to say, I mean, I'm not going to do on the negative. This game is doing every, 
far more than I ever expected it to do. The storytelling, the writing, the voice acting is top freaking notch. I mean, Drax is hilarious. His dryness is, oh my gosh, it's so good. The banter between Groot and uh, Rocket, you know, you expect Groot to say, I am Groot. Yeah. But the writing for Rocket and how he responds to him is just as good as it is in the movies. Good. So um, very surprising. If you're holding out on this and you're a fan of the films, definitely pick it up. And even if you're not a fan of Marvel, I still feel feel like this is worth playing because, again, it's not too terribly long. And if you're looking for that Uncharted type experience, even if the storytelling isn't as on par with that, I'd definitely pick it up, especially for 20 to 30 bucks. That's good to hear. So, so yeah, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm kind of um, balancing between that and Valhalla. And then, uh, as I was saying, this week at work just kind of kicked my ass and I just needed to veg out with some comfort food games. And so I was going through my Steam library and I was in the mood to play something like Age of Empires, Age of Mythology, Empire Earth, that strategy RPG or RTS type game. But what I honed in on and settled on was ukulele. (laughs) <laughs> so no surprise there booted up ukulele and uh, that's just been a fun revisit and uh, i'm not really trying to collect everything i'm just collecting as you know just enough to get to the next world and uh, while i'm listening to some podcasts so that's been uh, good times how many times have you played slash beaten ukulele the just, first one just once really yeah no i've only beaten it once 100 it on ps4 got the platinum trophy i've started it on switch didn't get far Maybe played it for like an hour or two, and okay. then I've started it again, excuse me, on PC, and uh, I'm only like three hours in. Okay. That's so, fair. yeah, it's a good good revisit, and uh, if it's to be believed, rumor has it that Platonic Games is making another 3D ukulele platformer. That's good. Hopefully, uh, it's not as crazy as the Impossible Lair. God, the last level. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I still don't have that platinum trophy and I probably never will because. Uh, yeah, that ramped up so fast. Yeah. yeah but, not my cup of tea. I'm not really into those uh, Celeste, Super Meat Boy type platformers. And uh, Impossible Air was great. I mean, it was Donkey Kong Country with a ukulele skin and I'm totally there for that. So even if they had another two and a half 2D platformer ukulele game. I'll be there, but I'm excited at the prospect of getting a 3D one to see what they change, if they tighten up mechanics, maybe have more fun cameos like they did in the first game. It'll be interesting, and especially since I'm assuming the first game and Impossible Air did well enough that their budget has increased, their team has increased. They've got some additional perspectives to uh, make a better game. Yeah. I mean, another comfort food would be Ori. I saw it's out on your table right now. But if you're feeling platformers... Yeah. That's pretty chill. Yes, we'll get into with our most anticipated games and also some of our gaming goals and resolutions for the year. Um, I've kind of pulled out some games that are top of mind for me that I'd like to play this year. Nice. So, yeah. Let's uh, get into emails. Let's do that, Ryan. So, the first email that we have is from our good buddy, ChronoLink91. So, he sent his Game of the Year email in time uh, for episode last time. But the one thing I didn't get to was this wild poem haiku i don't know what this is that he's and i wish i did read it during our last episode because we were so delirious and slap happy probably would have made for a fun read yeah for sure um thank you for putting in the effort 
Absolutely, yeah. Chrono. So we'll read it now. We always appreciate the passion that you have. And so here we go. As a reminder, his 2021 game of the year was Metroid Dread. What more can be said? Samus kills the enemies, blue and red, and gives me good feelings in my head. The world is large, with many items spread, but never too quickly. By was I sped? Nay, unlike its ilk, the game is long, much are you fed. Of the game's decent length, tis like a hearty bread. When playing it, you are often led down many paths, and none of them dead. At least not for long, if this poem you read, for you would know the level design wouldn't require pre-med. Still, the game is tough, not for the not for every Joe or Fred, but its conclusion is worth every tear that is shed. Its bosses are tough, much blood has been bled, but the reward of progression brought me back from whence I fled. Jumping, grappling, shooting, much can be said. Of the old and new power-ups, it covers ideas from A to Z. A great job Mercury Steam did, handling this property beloved. This 2D Metroid fan now can sleep peacefully in his bed. So here's to all the games this year that deserve high praise and cred, but to me, one stands above, none other than Metroid Dread. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> that was beautiful, Chrono. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you should submit that to Mercury Steam. I, don't, I know you're not very active on Twitter, man, but that's, that's beautiful, you know? And I'm sure the developers would appreciate the passion and love that you have for the game. And that was that was that was nicely put. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, uh, Blink, you, you should have considered doing something like that for uh, you know your big write up of Balan Wonderworld. But I don't know, both of you, <laughs> both of you, I don't, I don't know even know what to say. I appreciate the passion and love. All right, Ryan, we have two more emails to get to. The next one is from our good friend Leah or Sprite, and she sent in. A Chronos Correction Corner email. Nice. She says... Someone else besides Chrono using it. Exactly. I love it. We're not above reproach, Ryan. No, not at all. We're not above correction. So please, if we get anything wrong on the show, never hesitate to shoot us an email. Please be respectful if you can. And uh, yeah, shoot us an email and let us know what we got wrong. Anyways, Leah says, hello again, Otaku Bros. Wow. What's up? Twice in one week. How lucky are you? Pretty damn lucky, Leah. Yeah. Pretty damn lucky. Now, I want... Or now I know you see the Chronos Correction Corner as the subject line, and you think, oh no, what did we say wrong? In this case, <laughs> yeah. I'd say it's not your fault. How could you know if I didn't tell you? Whenever does anyone say my full name aloud? Today's correction is a fun little trivia treat. And so, for context, last episode and up until this point, Leah's last name is spelled V I L L A, and I pronounced it Villa. Mm-hmm. So, here comes the Chronos Correction Corner. Today's correction is a fun little trivia treat. My full name rhymes. Not Leah Villa, but actually Leah Via. Or, as I would have said as middle schooler, my last name is pronounced like Tortilla. Or maybe I would have said to think of Pancho Via. Maybe, or she says, because I'm Mexican on my dad's side, many people in my real life call me by my full name as a nickname. Since Leah doesn't really lend itself to fun shortening, why not just lengthen it and said, instead, Leah Via. Hope you both had a lovely Christmas, and I'm hype to see what the new year brings. Leah Sprite. Thanks for the Chronos Correction yeah, Corner, Leah. That's for awesome. In. Yeah, really appreciate it. And uh, like I said, we're never above correction here on this podcast. So wonderful stuff, Leah. Thank you so much. Moving right along here, we've got Lauren Gizmo's Game of the Year. 
This is the email that I did not get to because I was losing my mind. <laughs> it was 14 emails in and we're like, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. Lauren. I got to toss the baton over for some of these uh, email reads uh, at some point, but I didn't do that during last episode and I was uh, going crazy. But here we are, Lauren, my wife, your sister. She says, hey, guys. Thanks for pulling together the Community Game Awards again this year. It was a lot of fun to hear all of the favorite games from the community and listen to the OST medley. Thanks for finally getting around to my email entry also. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like you're throwing some shade at me, Lauren. Yeah. What the heck? Come on now. Uh, she says, my top games of the year are listed below. Enjoy. Comfort food game of the year for Lauren, Hades. She says, nice. I beat Bastion in January of 2021 and absolutely loved it. Oh, so so here's some uh, behind the scenes uh, details. So I think she meant to say she beat Hades in January of 2021. Lauren sent in two emails, but she prepped me in advance of recording this episode to read the second one, not the first. So we'll, we'll just reread that as I beat Hades in January of 2021 and absolutely loved it. I wanted to get, oh. Fuck, I'm messing this up. No. <laughs> I should have just... <laughs> Whatever. I should just go with it. We're just going with yeah. it. I beat Bastion in January of 2021 and absolutely loved it. I wanted to continue playing that style of game, Rusty. You asshole, keep reading the email. <laughs> just finish the damn sentence, Rusty. So I picked up Hades and just couldn't put it down. The quick campaign runs and witty banter kept me engaged for hours on end. I haven't beaten the game yet, but it is one that I continue to come back to time and time again throughout the year. Nice. Love it. Hades, haven't gotten around to playing it yet, but I know Ryan and uh, speaking of Sprite, are big fans. Yeah, great game. Slap an OST, Kana Bridge of Spirits. Yes. I can't say enough about this game. I started Kana towards the end of 2021 after hearing how much Rusty loved it. I'm about halfway through the game and plan to complete it soon. The storyline is very, fairly easy to follow, the combat is surprisingly challenging, and the tiny rot are absolutely adorable. Yeah. In addition to all of those things, the soundtrack is also beautiful. My favorite song so far in the game is Befriending Spirits, which is such a joyful and fun song and is perfect company when meeting new little rot friends. I will say though, my 2021 game of the year does give Kana a run for its money on Slappin' OST. You'll just have to wait and find out what it is. Good stuff. Cana Bridge of Spirits, my goodness. Yeah, that was the song I submitted for the medley. Yeah. It was the same one. That's right. Blink and you'll miss a game for Lauren. Story of Seasons, Pioneers of Olive Town. This game was a follow-up to Story of Seasons, Friends of Mineral Town, and unfortunately it didn't get quite as much praise as Friends of Mineral Town. Regardless of the reviews, I wanted to play this game when it came out because I'm a huge fan of Farming Sims. This game has basic storyline, but I still had a great experience with it. My favorite part of the game was the new cast of adorable farm animals, including an alpaca, brown cow, and most notably, a buffalo that Rusty and I named Buffy. This game seemed to be overlooked, but I found it worth playing and put around 30 to 40 hours into it in 2021. Nice. Good stuff. I've never been a big farming sim fan. I know you never really got into Animal Crossing, Ryan. We, we're just, it's not really our cup of tea. No. I Animal Crossing didn't seem like a fun one to me. Mm -hmm. I, I avoided that one. Yeah, so. maybe down the road you'll play it and give us an update on how you like it. Yeah, maybe if I put like 400 hours, I'll have a good review. Yeah, tune in next month. 
I'll get to it eventually. <laughs> Metroid Dread. She says, I've played about five hours of Metroid Dread this year and enjoyed the game but found it more challenging than I was anticipating. Towards the end of this year when it released, I just wasn't in the right headspace to really get into it. We've all been there. This is definitely a game that I want to get back to in play to completion once I'm feeling up to the challenge. I definitely feel that. I borrowed it right after you got it when you guys went on vacation, and I was the same way. Mm-hmm. I went to some mm-hmm. comfort food DK. I feel that, man. I feel that. Prior year game of the year for Lauren, Ratchet & Clank 2016. The nice. 2016 release of Ratchet & Clank is a game I finished this year that really resonated with me. It reminded me of a movie, Megamind, in both the style and humor. This game played out like a movie, and I just couldn't put it down. I tend to favor small bite games, and this one took me about 15 hours to beat, which is the perfect length for me. It was also my introduction to the broader series, so I can't wait to play more Ratchet and Clank games. Maybe Rift Apart will be next. Yeah, good choice. Yeah, it'd be a nice follow-up to the 2016 game for sure. And I hope you, uh, Ryan, play more Ratchet and Clank games. I do too. Yeah, I mean, coming off of Rift Apart, I don't know if I can top it with the older... Uh, iterations in the series but mm. yeah definitely game yeah the 2016 game would be a nice place to start for you and gizmo lauren's 2021 game of the year hoa mm. or i believe it's actually pronounced hua because it was okay. developed by a korean company okay that's I think, like gree and gress or whatever yeah i think that's yeah. a uh, correct pronunciation but again chronos correction corner please She says, I'm a big fan of indie games, so when I saw the trailer for this game, I was sold. I pre-ordered the physical copy and was disappointed when the release date continued to get delayed. The Switch version of the game finally arrived in September, and I was addicted. This game is so cute, and it immediately won my heart. The game's soundtrack seems like it's right out of a Ghibli film and was absolutely beautiful from the start. One unique aspect of my experience with this game was I got to the final stretch of the game and was having trouble with a section of the platforming. I asked the platforming master, also known as Ari Lewis 2011, to help me. And, well, the game glitched out. And to continue playing the game, I would never, or I would need to restart from the very beginning. Kind of a bummer. I will go back and replay this game eventually. But in the meantime, I'm very happy with the art style, the stunning soundtrack, and the puzzle platforming gameplay. A must play if you enjoy indie games. And I felt so bad because... She asked me to to figure out how to get and navigate through this one part. And then you glitched your game. I pick up at the controller and I jump through this thing and I went through an invisible wall and I got locked out of the level and I couldn't get back in. Can you like soft reset it? Or? So we tried to reload from the last starting point and it continued to load back outside of the actual game. Oh, that sucks. So there was no how way. How long to... is the game? Like how many hours in? Oh, like two or three hours. Oh, okay. It's a quick beat. Okay. Yeah. So that's so. not losing like... 30 hours of gameplay. No, but she was like right on the, the, the heels of the end of the game, right? <sighs> yeah, that's, that's so it was, it was tough. But anyways, Lauren closes out her email and says, that's all for me. I hope everyone had a wonderful holiday season. Cheers to the new year. All the best, Gizmo. Yeah, thank you guys for writing in. Good stuff. Yeah. Thank you so much. And thanks you thank you for your patience, Lauren. I know it took us a while. <laughs> I know coming down after like a four-hour episode, she's like, how'd you like my email? And we're like, we didn't read it. We didn't read it. it. As she wrote it like as we were recording. Yeah. She was not the happiest. What are you going to do? Pick and choose your battles, all right? <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, no, thank you, Leah, Chrono, and Lauren. Thank you for your patience. I'm glad we got to these emails and uh, very thankful for all of you wonderful people writing in. Yeah. But Ryan, what do you say we uh, transition things a little bit and get into the main topic of the show? Let's do it. All right, let's get into those top 10 most anticipated games of 2022. Ryan, here we are in the main topic of the show, and it should be pretty good time. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about our top 10 most anticipated games of 2022. We'll go down the list 10 to 1, and I'm assuming you ranked your list. Yes, I did. And so we'll kind of ping pong back and forth. But before we actually get into those lists, what I want to hear is, do you have any kind of gaming resolutions for the years? Any gaming goals for yourself? Yeah, I have six of them. How many do you have? Uh, Just three. Okay, so I'll go through my first three, and then, or do we want to go... You can just rattle them off. Just go for it. Okay, cool. Um, so my first one is no MMOs. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> which is good. Uh, allows me to play a bunch of other things. Coming off of last year, playing, what, 1,400 hours or so of RuneScape. So actually, pause real quick. So I was curious, because you were going back and forth with people in Discord about... Gosh, fuck, I can't believe Rusty beat 50 games, you know, Blink beat 100 or whatever. It's like, I could never imagine beating that many games in a year. And I'm like, okay, first of all, I want to defend myself a little bit here because I had a lot of quick beats. So what I did is I went back to my spreadsheet and I started mapping the number of well, hours. That's, that's why I was curious on your hours played on each one. So I mapped it and I I just, generally speaking, I always was... Um, tried to round up so if i thought i beat a game in 12 i put 15 right because i wanted to kind of um be a little bit more generous in that sense and of the 50 games that i beat it rounded up to about 500 hours (laughs) yeah so in order to beat 50 games for you every game you would have needed to pump about 30 hours in to get to the number of hours you played games last and i looked at and i think it was i mean it was Maybe not 14, because I created my account three years ago, mm-hmm. and I didn't really play at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and most like most of that 1,400 hours was last year. So of the 47 days played on my character, most of it was. But yeah, that. so I, yeah. So that's why I don't want to play MMOs this that's year. That's fair. Um, 
five ninety nines is just a stupid amount um, to go back and get. Um, so yeah, it'll allow me to play uh, more games that aren't a singular game. I like it. It's a healthy goal. Yeah, goal of beating nine or ten games. Do you want an accountability partner with that? Like, if you start like getting no, I'm pretty burnt out. I have one game that you're gonna be like, oh fuck. But like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I, I think I'm I'm well burnt out coming off of the end of last year um, with group Iron Man and Ben and I trying to like support two members of our team that didn't play mm-hmm. for Ben and I that I'm I'm pretty done. Okay. Everything's canceled. I'm not all my subscriptions are canceled. All right. You you uh sold away your armor and, and you got off that shit. Uh I didn't sell I didn't go that far. <laughs> I still have my gold and uh I, I'm my vice is I'm watching videos of people playing it, so I don't have to. Mm-hmm. So, like, as I'm Minecraft, okay, as I'm Minecrafting, building my ships in, like, Pirate Town, I'm watching people kill the new boss that came out next um, at the beginning of January. Man, that's tiptoeing in, in territory you don't want to be getting in, bro. I mean, even years that I didn't play RuneScape, I watched PvP, just uh-huh. as, like, a background sound. I don't know. I mean, when when I when you know Happy Console Gamer Johnny Millennium <laughs> got away from Final Fantasy Eleven, yeah, I mean, he sold his armor, bro. I I'm not going to go that far because like <laughs> I I'm watching it and like I'm enjoying people enjoy it. I'm just giving but, you a hard time, but nothing about the game watching it makes me want to play. It. That's dude. That's I'm just yeah. giving you a hard time. I'm all right. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> What's your second goal? Uh. My second one is similar. I mean, most of these are along the same lines is more story based games. Oh, yeah. I like um, that. So instead of and like that ties into my third one, which is I kind of minimize AFK slash grindy games, um, which is kind of tied into the more story based. Mm-hmm. Um, so headphones on just mm. full immersion opposed to put on a podcast. Like if I want to put on a podcast, I can Minecraft and mm-hmm. mine. Um but more story-based games. I so like that. Like, I bought Gris last mm-hmm. year. You got, Lauren has a shit ton of Switch games, indie games. So hopping into those opposed to RuneScape or more grindy games. Yeah, and those are quick beats too. Like, yeah. you know, Grease, Journey, Flower, stuff like that. So good stuff. Yeah, so those are um, kind of my main goals. And then I have more specific goals. Um, like what I want to do, my fourth one, is beat... In Monster Hunter World, I have two bosses that I've never beaten. Mm. Uh, they're the Black Dragons. So, like, you have large monsters, which are, like, a majority of them. Then you have Elder Dragons, which are the, like, usually the highest. And then they added at the very last two DLCs for Iceborne, two Black Dragons. Okay. And there's only six Black Dragons in all of the lore. Um, one of them is a Latrion, who I've tried to kill, like, 10 to 15 times and I've just failed Mm. Um, because it's a mechanical boss where you have to have like an elemental, like have an elemental weapon and there's basically a deep DPS check. So if you don't do enough damage, a damage per second Mm. before a specific time, it basically wipes everyone. Oof. Um, It's like an elemental blast where it wipes the map. And if you clear those three checks, um, of amount of damage done, it doesn't hurt you as much. And okay. you can beat him. So I want to beat him, and then he's kind of the gateway to the final monster in uh, Monster Hunter Iceborne, which is Fatalis. And 
he's basically the wants to kill everything in the lore of the game. Okay. And I want his armor. Um, his armor is the final armor in the game and basically max slots for customization. And oh, it looks awesome. Okay. You have like wings. The armor in the lore is actually supposed to be still alive even after Fatalis is dead. That's healthy. And slowly consumes the wearer and turns you into a Fatalis. It obviously doesn't do that, but that's what the lore is. So I really want to beat him. Um, And then that kind of ties into... Because Monster Hunter World is... I think I listed it as my favorite game of all time. Mm -hmm. um, I want to get that platinum. Oh, hell yeah. So that's what I was... I texted Ben because... He got the platinum for the base game, and he wants to get the platinum for Iceborne. I'm setting my sights first on the base game. Mm, that's respectable. Um, but we're going to grind out crowns. Um, I think I'm 66% the way through. I checked this morning. Um, I have about 400 hours gameplay right now. Um, a lot of it is crown farming for base game and then picking up endemic life. So there's like rare creatures around the world that you can put in your house. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have to do that. And luckily base game, I have most of the gold crowns, which is a gold crown is the largest and the smallest of an individual creature. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm making some good progress. So I'll probably this afternoon start grinding that. Um, that's one of my goals. I like it. And then you also like this one, uh, Elden Ring and then finish, finish Bloodborne Platinums. So you want to get the Elden Ring Platinum. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll never get Dark Souls 2, um, but Bloodborne is one of the ones that I had literally have like three bosses until I have the Platinum in the dungeons. And then I, I know I'm going to love Elden Ring, so mm-hmm. I'll eventually kind of grind out all the coin or like all the rings and things. Nice. Um, and then Sekiro, I, that's going to be like... 30 years worth of me grinding to get yeah. so you know i'm always going to be in support of platinum trophies yeah. so. so those are the three platinums i'd love to have um if i can get monster hunter world as my i think 10th platinum mm-hmm. um instead of kingdom hearts i'd be cool with that good stuff man those are your six yeah yeah good stuff i like it a lot uh especially the focus on the story games that's that'll be good for you yeah I think so, too. Bring in some good stuff to the podcast, too. Good conversation. And then finally talk. I mean, if we have Lauren on while you're taking your hiatus for work and life, um, talk about some of those indie games with her. That's right. Yeah, that'll definitely bring a different type of energy and feel to the show, which will be good. Uh, People are tired of me. You know, we've been getting emails. (laughs) Please get rid of Ari Lewis 2011. Gosh, get that guy out of here. So a couple of my goals, uh, the first of which is beat a game on five different consoles. You know, I don't oh. want to do anything too crazy, but for the number of consoles I have and for the number of games I have on those systems unplayed, I want to start kind of really chipping away at my backlog. And so it doesn't have to be more of the obscure stuff that I have. It could really just be Switch. <laughs> Clarification here. So I don't want to just do PS5, PS4, PS3. Yeah, I was going to say, like, is that Xbox, Xbox, like... the. Yeah, can I mean, you can you can only different because I don't have really obscure consoles, but I'm saying when I think about this, it's like a PS5 game. game Boy. Yeah, a Game Boy game, a DS game, an Xbox 360 game, a game on Steam, that kind of stuff. OK, so that's just good. really kind of exploring my backlog a bit. That's a, that's a big focus of mine this year, especially as I was talking about, I think, last episode where I'm. I can't say definitively, kind of like you in RuneScape, I'm not walking away from trophy collecting, but 
especially when I was playing Mar- Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, like it's a pretty easy platinum. Yeah. But I was following a guide to get all the collectibles and I missed one of them. I'm like, oh, no, no worries. You can go to chapter select and get the the collectibles again. Yeah. Just replay the chapter. Well, then I read up. It's like, no, you can't do that because if you go back to the chapter, it's as if you've never collected any of the collectibles up to that point. So even if you get it, it's not going to count towards your total amassed. You'd have to replay the entire game if yeah, you miss one sucks. thing. I'm like, you know what? No, I'm not doing that. And then when I was playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla, I'd never looked at the trophies until I had beaten the game because I knew it was a tough trophy list to begin with. And one of the trophies that that I did end up getting and I just looked at myself and I was like, what the fuck am I doing with my life right now? It was you have to train your horse to be able to um, tread water mm-hmm. and then you have to swim 3000 kilometers. <laughs> so or or three kilometers, so like 3000 meters. Yeah. And so you literally just have to hold the controller forward and your horse just has to swim for basically 20 real time minutes. You did this on purpose to get a bronze trophy. And I was like, dude, I, dude. I was like, no, I'm not. You need to talk to someone like, I holy crap. Yeah. I thought you did like, there's walking goals and stuff in games. In Skyrim. Yeah. Yeah. Ex- walk 10,000, whatever. Yeah. You know? And that's just, you do it by playing the game. But yeah. you literally like, hey, I'm going to grab this horse. I'm going to max out its jump, like, horsiness. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, I'm going to just hop in water and just paddle <laughs> <laughs> for three miles. For yeah. kilometers. Yeah. So I w- that, that was not the final straw, but I'm just like, man, I got to be playing some of my other games as opposed to just trophy hunting. And, and I want my good pal and buddy Blink to take the, the trophy crown. Okay. So. That's a good goal. You know, I, I'm literally just stepping aside, Blink. It's time for you to take the crown and, and have more trophies than me, buddy. I seriously, I'm rooting for you, and I'll be at the finish line cheering you on. So, yes, that kind of um, ties into beating games on different consoles, especially consoles and games that don't have trophies. Next goal for myself is tackle the handheld backlog. So I was fortunate enough to get an analog pocket more recently, mm-hmm. which if you're not familiar with the console, this company called Analog, they put out a, a number of unique products, and more recently, they released this thing called the Analog Pocket. And as you might expect, it is compatible with Game Boy, original Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance cartridges. And then there's other adapters to be able to play stuff like Atari Lynx, Game Gear, um, stuff like that. I didn't get any of the adapters, but I have a gargantuan bag full of Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance games. And I actually recently updated my backloggery account to account for all of those in anticipation of um, just popping some of those in and knocking them out. How many games do you have in your backlog? If your backloggery is updated for all your other systems. Well, so here's the interesting thing. I wasn't really going to announce this, but since you ask great questions, I will just go ahead and, and talk a little bit about it. Um, I don't really foresee myself ever going back to Twitch. Yeah. It put me under stress that I just didn't really like, especially trying to make sure that all my audio stuff was working right. And yeah, so that I was just, a mess in the apartment. That too. And the cable management and all that kind of stuff. I just don't really want to have to deal with that. But what I want to do and getting back to your question of how many games do you have in your backlog? One of the things that I wanted to do and come to Twitch with is updating my backloggery account, mm-hmm. exploring because I really haven't touched it in many years outside of updating it with PS4 type stuff. But you can also there's a lot of text fields 
and you can just put in there whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And so about 10 years ago, I put in my top 10 games of all time, my favorite Pokemon, just some fun gaming type stats for myself. And part of that Twitch stream was going to be going through those, reading them, what's changed, what does my game collection look like then versus now, updating my backloggery. Well, I'm not going to do that on Twitch, but since I'm going to be doing this 30-week program, um, changing jobs, I'm still going to need a creative outlet and escape mm -hmm. to do something that I love, which is talk about games. Yeah, so are you going to do YouTube videos? I'm going to do YouTube. So I'm going to basically you know, use OBS, whatever I have to do to record it, put on some really chill music, and it's. I hope um, it'll be fun for me. Hopefully it's entertaining for others. Updating my backloggery and pockets, uploading that onto YouTube, showcasing my collection, telling stories and talking about what the games mean to me if I haven't played it, why I purchased it and stuff like that. And it'll be like Rusty's Backloggery Adventures, Wii. Rusty's Backloggery Adventures, Nintendo DS. And so I'll split and record the videos out based on the console that I'm updating. Very cool. So yeah. that'll be fun. And then I'll be able to answer the question of what does the number of unbeaten games look like in my collection? Because yeah, the number's looking big. at your wall. <laughs> there's probably a lot. Yeah, there's a lot. So that'll be fun. And then I can finally start um, not stealth beating games because the last game I beat on my backloggery that I actually made have record of is ukulele. And that's mm. why I wanted to it to be this big deal where I came to Twitch and talked about that and what ukulele means to me and then finally start publicly beating games so that those stats will be tracked. Okay. So Yeah, that's cool. More to come. Um, I'm not sure when those YouTube videos are going to start being filmed and going up, but um, yeah, we'll see. I like so, it. Yes, and that was my second goal, tackle the handheld backlog. My third and final goal is finding a Series X and playing some Xbox catch-up. Very good. Because yeah. uh, I've been wanting to get a Series X like the PS5, like the Analog Pocket. It's tough to get some of these consoles. But as soon as Series X go up for uh, purchase on Amazon, I'm going to try and snag one this year. I bought in anticipation of getting a Xbox One X leading up to the, the launch of those consoles. I was going to get that. Um, I bought a number of Xbox One games. Yeah. So um, I'm looking forward to playing some of those. Halo Infinite. Forza Horizon 5, but also the backwards compatibility features and exploring um, or revisiting some games from the Xbox 360 library. Yeah, I like that. So, Hopefully, uh, by the time you get that, Halo has a co-op campaign. Absolutely. You and I will sit down here in the game room and get some Mountain Dew and maybe order pizza and play some legendary Halo Infinite campaign. Only way to play. That'll be good stuff. But Enough about gaming goals, Ryan. Um, do you have any honorable mentions before we get into our top 10 most anticipated? I do. I have three. Okay. Um, do you want me to just rattle off my three? Or? Yeah, go okay. for it. Um, so my third is coming out holiday of next year. Um, not specified yet is Sonic Frontiers. Oh, dude. Nice pick. Yeah. Yeah. I've never played a Sonic game, but this one seems like an open world from the gameplay that was shown. Mm -hmm. um, I know the 3D Sonics have been jank as hell. Um, but yeah, it looks like the first installment that I'd be willing to get into that series. That's a good pick. Yeah, no, I, I like that. I don't, I don't have it anywhere on my list, but that trailer did look pretty nice. Yeah. And then the next one is coming out February 8th, which is Sifu. Oh, that looks cool too. Yeah. It's kind of like you're a regular, uh, guy in a, like a, not a jujitsu. Dojo. Or dojo. Yeah. yeah thank you. 
and you slowly get older as you beat up people in different environments. I think it's like a side-scrolling classic beat-em-up. It just looks yeah. really, really It looks fun. really interesting. Yeah. Um, so maybe not at launch, but sometime when it gets reduced in price. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one that I was really happy, it looks like a Zelda game. It's coming out March 16th, which is Tunic, which oh, you're a little yeah. fox basically playing through like a Zelda-esque top-down world it looks beautiful i think it that's does. an xbox exclusive uh you can probably maybe get it on pc as well hopefully uh, come to switch or something oh that, and that's a game perfect for switch it is yeah yeah i would love that uh so those are my three good stuff no i like it my three um are less honorable mentions and they're more games that i don't think are going to actually come out this year okay but i still hope they do because i really want to play them uh the first of which is god of war ragnarok that's fair that's in my top 10 I feel like this is a coin flip at this point. I really could see this game uh, like Horizon Forbidden West that popping on in February. I could see God of War Ragnarok being like a January, February, March release next year. I could see that. Yeah, I think from what I was seeing date wise, it's just blank Mm -hmm. 2022. No specific like quarter. I think there's rumors that, you know, maybe like a September thing. I have no idea. I mean, for all we know, this game could come out in May, similar to when Ghost of Tsushima and Last of Us Part 2, just like within a month of each other came out. You know, I don't know. I really don't. I'm glad that Corey Balrog and the team at Santa Monica is kind of keeping things under wraps. When the game's ready, it'll release. And you better believe I'll be there day one. Yeah, I mean... I, I'm completely fine if it gets booted to next year. That's actually my number four okay. most anticipated. I I mean, you love the series. I love the series. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really whatever's best for them to be able to put up the same level of quality that they were for the first one. Mm-hmm. And I know there were a lot of stressful moments for the team for the first one, just watching that documentary. Um, and to me, I mean... It's a totally different world than when that was created, working from home oh and gosh. all the environments. Yeah. So whatever is most accommodating to that development team, I'm fine. Like similar to my stance on Pokemon. It whatever time it takes to put out a good game, I'm willing to accept mm-hmm. because I'm gonna enjoy it far more when it comes out in its final state. Any way that teams can avoid crunch, I'm definitely a proponent for. Yeah. So um, I'm with you. I'm with you. So yeah, that's number one as an honorable mention. My next one, I thought this might squeak in last year, just given the rumors about it pretty much being finished in the vi- final stages of development. But I also see this one probably getting uh, pushed to 2023 and that's Final Fantasy 16. Oh, I didn't even think about that one. Yeah, we haven't seen or heard anything about it in a while, uh, which leads me to believe that it's either going to come out like this fall or it's going to come out sometime next year. Yeah, and I was thinking, because I've, I've attempted so many times to get into Final Fantasy, um, and I think my first one will still be Final Fantasy VII Remake to mm-hmm. beat one. Um, but if it isn't, I was hoping that 16 would be that, because um, it looks like a very dark approach compared mm-hmm. to the other ones. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know much about Final Fantasy's mm-hmm. development, but... For the quality that they seem to put out for each game, I'd kind of be along those same lines. Yeah, it'll probably be a 2023 release, but if it does sneak in this year, hey, great. I'm looking forward to it for sure. And then the last one, just because, I don't know, I don't want to say it was premature to put a date on it, especially because it's very Bethesda-like to have these types of dates. 
I don't see a world where Starfield's coming out this year. <laughs> no. Yeah, I no. I I don't have much trust in that. I mean I think I, they were we haven't mentioned or shown anything, like literally anything except for a title up into that trailer. Mm-hmm. Um and it's ballsy to put a date on it. And they probably did it end of the year because it's what? Is it November? It's it like, like November 11th, 2022. 11, 11, 2022. Yeah, they like their 11, 11s. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't see that coming out. I see that coming out 23 if they're lucky. Then they might run into some problems and make that 24 when Skyrim 3 comes out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I hope it does. I mean, that would be such a powerhouse hit for Xbox this year. And especially if I can secure a Series X, man, headphones in, sitting in the game room with that on the big screen would be well, really it, nice. It's an interesting concept. We just, similar to most X- Xbox showcases, it's trailers opposed to gameplay. We just don't know what it's about, really. Yeah, we just know that there was a person in space going into a machine where dates for releases <laughs> are on most of their appliances. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it'll be sometime in the future. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. but no, that's my third uh, uh, honorable mention just because God War Ragnarok, Final Fantasy 16, Starfield, I don't see them coming out this year. And there's a couple other games that very well might not come out this year on my top 10 most anticipated list because... The pandemic is still alive and real, and that is absolutely still impacting these development teams. So kind of back to our comments with God of War Ragnarok, if it means that uh, we get a better game at the end of the day and the development team's um, emotional health is in in check and good, then by all means, keep delaying these games as long as it takes. But I foresee some of these games on my list getting pushed into next year or, you know, further into this year. Yeah, so. no, I have one in specific that I see coming out probably 2023. Yeah. But Ryan, let's kick things off here. What is your number 10 most anticipated game? Uh, my number 10 is one that I think was like gameplay released relatively recently is coming out July 14th, which is Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. Oh, nice. Yeah, that looks really good. Yeah, the gameplay looked great. Um I've never played a game in the DC universes. I never played in the Batman ones. Oh, man. Um, but seeing Evil Justice League, or it's very similar to, was it uh, Invincible, which is the show that oh. I really liked on Amazon, mm-hmm. which is shout out to Invincible. It's worth watching. Even if you just watch one episode, you'll be hooked. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just the idea of main villains being evil and like our stereotypical good guys being on the other side of the the uh, punching tables yeah yeah so yeah i'm really excited the gameplay looked great yeah for sure it's not on my list um and to be honest i don't even know if i remember seeing that gameplay trailer but i've i've heard a lot of people i think it was during one of those longer streams where you had a football game on oh makes sense yeah it was the one that chrono and i were talking and you were like watching the crying Steelers game or so yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly it sounds well, about they had right. to come back and then i think they lost yeah well yeah. what are you gonna do um we actually may have been playing the kansas city chiefs that night and we're playing them tomorrow night uh playoff game so anyways my number 10 is advanced wars one and two reboot camp ah oh, man it's been so long since i played an advanced wars game i distinctly remember going into a GameStop pre-ordering dual strike on the ds i was the first one of my friend group to get it 
And one of the very neat and unique things about Advance Wars 1 and 2, or Advance Wars Dual Strike, I should say, is you were able to play local co-op with friends even if your friends didn't have the cartridge. That was a unique thing that some DS games had. But it wasn't like typical Advance Wars where you were on a grid fighting each other. You were just in those little tanks or infantrymen running around the map just killing each other. Oh, yeah. In a bird's eye view. I remember view. that. That was fun. That was a cool little uh, kind of combat simulator um, deathmatch type of thing. So I remember playing that. But anyways, Advance Wars 1 and 2 Reboot Camp. I know a lot of people are not on board with the changes they've made graphically. But I'm all on board for it. I love it. I'm just pumped to play more Advance Wars on the Switch. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat. I started with Dual Strike. Um, I don't think I got any of the other ones, but I loved my time with it. Um, and yeah, this is actually my number seven. Nice. Um, so pretty higher up the list. I I'm gonna definitely get day one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's gonna be good. But uh, what's your number nine? My number nine is Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. Oh, I'm going to get back to Borderlands. Yes, and that's coming out March 25th, so I guess spring of this year, or early this year. Um, I never got through Borderlands 3. I got stuck on one of the bosses, but I, I like the concept of exploring it more as like an RPG. I mean, it is an RPG, but like more of this the normal kind of fantasy RPGs where there's magic and then you have, you have crazy guns mm-hmm. in the borderlands type universe. When I think Chronos correction corner for this one, Ashley Birch who voiced a- or voices Aloy is the voice of tiny Tina. I don't know voice actors, but it could it's be possible. Yeah. I could be wrong, but I yeah, I remember case. liking your character. I think it was in borderlands too. And having a spinoff in its own kind of genre is a cool concept. Good stuff. That's a good pick. I like it. It's, gosh, it's been so long since I've played Borderlands. That would um, be a fun one to play together. Yeah. Well, uh, we were going to play three together. We just never, I never picked it up. So we never got yeah. around to it. But Just letting the team down. Man. I know. <laughs> I know. My number nine is something that I don't know is going to make a lot of people's list because not enough people know about it. So not enough people are talking about it. That's why I'm here to remind everyone that Little Gator Game is something that's coming soon to Steam. And uh, because I'm not, uh, you're a better man than I, I did not add dates to the games on my list. So uh, I've had this list ready to go for like a month and a half. (laughs) And when it was like last night, I'm like, oh shit, I should probably actually prep some notes for some of these things. And uh, I didn't attach release dates. So Forgive me, Little Gator Game is a game coming to Steam very soon and hopefully making its way to Switch down the line if it's successful for this very small indie developed team or indie team. The long and short of it is it's just this wholesome exploration action platformer. Reminds me a lot of Short Hike. Aesthetically, it almost looks like it was built in the same game engine by the same development team. Um... And I actually pulled the description from the Steam page just to kind of paint a picture. So Little Gator is here to adventure and make lots of friends. So it's just this adorable little alligator that's just trying to emulate like a Zelda-like adventure with a fraction of the scale, but literally just all the heart you could ever need. So um, check it out. Again, I hope this game does well. Add it to your Steam wish list if it's not already on your list. Little Gator game just looks like a, just such a wholesome little experience. Yeah, I'll have to look it up. So, yeah, that's my number nine. Nice. 
Uh, my number eight, I figure, is going to be on your list. Mm-hmm. Is uh, coming out March twenty fifth. Kirby and the Forgotten Land. I, no, I've never heard of this one. Well, Kirby is a ball character, and he sucks in other characters and steals their soul. Huh. And with their souls, he's able to blow fire and like get hats somehow. Yeah. Now he's, he's pink. Yeah. No, let me make a note. Let's just Kirby. Yeah, I made a note of it. I'll okay, check it out cool. after the podcast. Cool. Yeah. That was a short title for Kirby <laughs> and the Forgotten Lands, but we'll go with the abbreviations and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I've never played a Kirby game. Um, I've played with him a crap ton in Super Smash Bros. Brawl. Um, but or and melee, really. But yeah, never a Kirby game. Uh, there were some 3DS games that looked fun. I just just never picked them up. So, what do you think about Kirby, Rusty? No, I'm a big fan. I, I the more recent ones that I've really gotten into were on the 3DS. I I have all three of them. Wasn't yeah, there a because, yarn one you were playing like well, last year. Yeah, when we actually took our trip to Alaska, I replayed Kirby's Epic Yarn originally on Wii. Got ported to the 3DS. Um, such a de- terrific, delightful little game that is. Um, excellent soundtrack, and that's one of my favorite things about the Kirby games is they're, they're really they're they're never too challenging. Uh, and I know that bothers some people. It never bothers me because I kind of always go into that those games knowing it's gonna be kind of just um, never stressful. Excellent music, criminally cute. And this one uh, that you're talking about here looks to be no exception. Uh, we'll see if it makes my list. I'm not really sure. Um, again, I, I put this together two months ago, so I'm kind of just reading this for the first time <laughs> in a while. So we'll see. But yeah, no, Kirby and the Forgotten Land looks great and uh, should be one that I'll eventually get around to playing. Nice. Uh, my number, or it's to you, right? Yeah. It is. Why, why are you skipping me, man? You know what? My list is more important. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, my number eight is... Uh, Gosh, what of a what a meme of a game this was coming away from a conference a couple months back. May have also been E3. That is Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origins. Developed by Koei Tecmo, so the Dynasty Warriors people, and Team Ninja. Some so some of the more recent Ninja Gaiden um games developed this one. I mean, edgy teenage Final Fantasy meets prepubescent Dark Souls difficulty sounds oh. like a <laughs> It's just like the darkness or whatever. Yeah. Chaos. Chaos. I mean, it sounds like a recipe for success in my book. I, I don't know what to expect. I didn't download the demo. I know a lot of people were not very fond of the demo and certainly not the trailer and the edginess that they were going for here. But I am absolutely here for it. And uh, we'll see how it turns out. I think this is coming out in the next couple months. But again, I'm not entirely clear when we can expect this one. But it literally looks like... Dark Souls meets Final Fantasy cringe. Yeah, it does. I, I will maybe borrow this from you, but mm-hmm. I've, I'm probably not going to pick it up. Yeah. Um, but looks like it'd be a fun one. Yeah. Yep. So that's my number eight. I'm sure that's probably your number two or three, but we'll get to it eventually. Yeah, it's up there mm-hmm. for sure. Um, yeah, my number seven is Advanced Wars. Um, right now, I mean, we just talked about it, but as far as dates go, right now it's just spring. So I don't think they have a solid date. Um, this game got kicked from last year into early um, 2022. So hopefully it comes out. It's not pushed again. Again, similar to the other games um, on Rusty's honorable mentions. 
I don't really care. Yeah. If it's pushed or not, if it comes out this year, I'll be happy. If it comes out next year for a better game, I'll be happy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely looking forward to some Advance Wars goodness. Speaking of delays, Ryan, this is one that has been kicked down the road for about two years. Did you know that it's been two years since The Rise of Skywalker came out? Really? Yeah, it's been that long. Wow. And so with that in mind, Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga, saga, however you pronounce that (laughs) word, I'm pretty sure this was supposed to come out around the time of the film to kind of celebrate obviously the Skywalker saga, this this nine movie um, extravaganza type of thing. And at the time, I'm like, what the heck? I mean, how hard can a Lego game be to make, especially when... All the other, like all but one games are already made. Yeah, they've already made all of the pre- previous Star Wars movies in Lego form. But what I didn't know is that they basically remade this game from the ground up, adding voice acting, adding all these different things. And this is shaping up to be like the golden standard of Lego games, the Lego really? game to so end. So they remade all of the other nine games? All Lego games. games? I think so. I can't say with certainty, but I was doing some research last night and I pulled this directly from the wiki page and I just want to read it because if you're familiar with the Lego games, you've played Lego Batman, the original um, Lego Star Wars, the video game, as it was originally titled on PS2, GameCube, Xbox, which if you didn't, it was just the prequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Re- Return of the Sith, Return of the Sith, Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> It's been a while since I've watched those Return of the Jedi. There it is. Um, But yeah, so originally it was just those three movies, and then they kept making Lego Star Wars games, and eventually Lego Batman, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter. So if you've played one, you've basically played them all. Mm -hmm. But things are going to change with this one. So pulled this directly from the wiki page. It says, much like its predecessor, Lego Star Wars The Force Awakens, the game's hub will not be a single area such as the most Eisley Cantina and Lego Star Wars The Complete Saga, but a wide range of fully explorable planets filled with many iconic Star Wars landmarks. Planets and moons confirmed by the developers so far to be explorable in the hub include Naboo, Tatooine, Coruscant, Kamino, Geonosis, Kashyyyk, Mustafar, Yavin 4, Hoth, Dagobah, Octu, Crate, The list goes on and on and on. Many ships will have freely explorable areas in the hub as well, such as Star Wars Destroyer or Star Destroyers and the Death Star. This is what I find really interesting. Random encounters will also happen in the game's hub. For example, an Imperial Star Destroyer could suddenly suddenly jump out of hyperspace and send a fleet of TIE fighters after the player. Players can then choose to engage in dogfights with them or continue onward to progress the story. That's awesome. Yeah. Like a real fully alive world. Yeah. I wonder if you can level up. Because then this is my game of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Upgrade your Legos. Become a god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. That's awesome. I'm so pumped for this. I mean, the one thing that, you know, the Lego games are known for and kind of pride themselves on is co-op gameplay. Mm-hmm. So if this if they're selling it like this and it actually turns out to be as good as um, I'm imagining and envisioning it to be, this would be such a treat for you and I to sit down and play. Yeah, for sure. I remember the, because I, I had the Moss Eisley kind of cantina mm-hmm. going to each, I think it was like one through six. Yep. Um, there were 
like a hundred characters, like fifty plus characters that you could play. Oh, and just collecting all those studs and going back to the hub and buying the characters that appeared in that level. Yeah. Oh man. And then mixing and matching, going back and replaying levels. And you can, if you play something like Return of the Jedi, you can be, you know, Chewbacca. Or you need to come back later as like Palpatine to like unlock a specific door to get whatever. Yeah, it's it's and just such hating a... yourself, missing one coin as it despawns and questioning life. Yeah, yeah. Great gameplay loop. Yes. I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, it's great. I need to add that to my list. Yeah. So, what is your number six, Ryan? My number six is a game I could see not coming out this year. Um, right now, it's an unofficial date of late 2022, mm-hmm. um, and this is Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild 2. Mm, yeah. Um, you still have to play the first one. I do. I love the first one. Um, I beat it twice, I think, um, because my first game save was tied to my friend's account who I bought the Switch from. And then when I deleted Rick's account on my Switch, I deleted all my save files. Oh, no. <laughs> so I had to go back and beat the original game and then hard mode. Um, but, yeah, I loved my time with it. Um, this is kind of my version of Far Cry where you're going unlocking all of the little towers and the map and yep. doing shrines and stuff. And I yep. never completed everything. Um, I loved collecting the outfits, leveling up the outfits, and figuring out how to cheat the economy mm-hmm. as I do. Um, but yeah, adding more aerial um, floating islands to this one, it seems like there's going to be caves to fight corrupted Ganon in a floating tower. Uh, yeah, I- I'm really excited to see where they go with it. Me too. And one of the things I didn't include in my um, goals for the year as it relates to gaming, I don't know how tough this program is going to be that I'm walking into the cybersecurity program that I'm doing. But I could also imagine it going one of two ways in terms of like end of day, the types of games I want to play. It's either going to be I want to boot up the N64 and just play Perfect Dark, Banjo-Kazooie, Diddy Kong Racing, stuff that I'm very nostalgic for. Or I just want to get lost in open world, turn on a podcast and mindlessly wander around and play something like Breath of the Wild. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I usually go open world or like fall back to RuneScape. So that was (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> fall back into the addiction we know ryan we yeah know. we have uh, talked yeah. about it once good stuff um, yeah what is your number six my number six probably will be a controversial take but i just have to play this game and see what the heck is going on here and that is the lord of the rings Gollum. <laughs> oh no <laughs> so this is developed by dedalic entertainment or however you pronounce their name I had no idea what types of games they've previously developed, but if you're familiar with the Deponia series, these basically point-and-click graphic adventures, to go from that to something like Lord of the Rings and building an entire game around a character that previously was just not sidelined, but complementary to the greater events that were happening, you'd never imagine an entire game built around playing as him. I have no idea what to expect, but like the Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of War games, I'm totally okay if they stretch existing fiction, take liberties with the story, so long as they tell something interesting. And what I imagine they're going to probably do is humanize Smeagol in a way where like you kind of feel really bad for him. Yeah. You know, and what he had to go through, especially because he was tortured by Sauron for how long, right? You, he's a tragic villain, yeah. right? Because, yeah. I mean, he found the ring and then corrupted by it, and then he, he, yeah, 
became bald and lived in a cave. (laughs) (laughs) Touching a ring for a while. It happens to the best of us. Yeah, you know, Wednesdays. (laughs) But um, what I'm most looking forward to in addition to the story they tell and, you know, building upon or stretching the Tolkien world and universe of Lord of the Rings is how tight the stealth mechanics are. Yeah. Because the way they're pitching it is it's going to be a stealth game, which I love stealth games. That's probably why outside of being, you know, a super fan of Lord of the Rings, why I'm so excited to play it is how is the stealth going to work? Because if you're wandering around Mordor and maybe even um, Hobbiton or wherever you go, because I also don't know if this takes place. Oh, wait, no, I have a note here. For those that don't know, based on Lord of the Rings and follows the character of Gollum before the events of Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be so interesting to see as you're navigating these environments. Do you have a shiv? Do you have knives, daggers? Bla- I don't that know could, what that could be like. really interesting if they're, you're exploring some of the fortresses and towers in Mordor mm-hmm. and like I believe it's um Aragorn and Gandalf meet Gollum once or twice oh. so to like pull in those characters because they search for him knowing um, that he has the ring like he has information and then yeah. he's captured and they're like oh shit yeah but like that would be really cool to go through some of those towers I mean if you're going before you would have like the witch king you mm-hmm. could go through um, his fortress trying to escape Mordor. Mm-hmm. Like there, it conceptually, it's cool. I think the thing that throws me off about it is just the character model. Graphically, like, it's he looks weird, freaking. Ugh. Yeah, like yeah. I I'm not the biggest fan of the art direction. I'm not either. Conceptually, it'd be cool to like explore backstories and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, like even Lord of the Rings Online, which I would never touch because oh, the dude. map is. It was like 10,000 kilometers squared, I think, was the – like, the map's huge. It's uh, Selfishly, I wish you played Lord of the Rings online because I could vicariously live through you. And that is probably the one game I wouldn't stop you in the podcast for. Like, it, I, I stopped you Yeah, but you're game. like, hey, I'm like a member max. I have, like, Nazgul level 100 gear. And, like, I've put my life savings into my character. And you're <laughs> like, ha, let's keep talking about it as uh, you're financially ruined. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I'll live vicariously through you for Smeagol until I hear it's yay or nay. Yeah, well, I mean, and depending if it even comes out this year, I I don't really know the release window for this. I think it's slated for this year. Uh, I, I can't wait to see the reception for this. This is something I'll probably pre-order just to kind of like, I'm just gonna <laughs> nip it in the bud. I'm gonna buy it. I have intentions of playing it. I want to see where this game uh, is gonna be about. Yeah, that's fair. so. That's my number six. Yeah, it's a weird one. Um, my number five is Horizon Forbidden West, and mm-hmm. that comes out February 18th. That is my number two. Nice. Mm-hmm. I have a better one at number two. <laughs> I'm sure you do. <laughs> no, I, I have something that I'm more excited about knowing that Horizon's already coming out. But yeah, I love the first one. Um, you finally got around to it, and I'm really glad mm-hmm. after taking your time, similar to other good games like God of War. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the character of Aloy... And the post, I love post-apocalyptic worlds and like the idea of like tribes and like early humans, how we slowly build up civilizations Mm -hmm. and what would happen if all technology was wiped, which is essentially the premise. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess seeing where was it Hades, the kind of destruction program from the first game 
ends up as you travel through Los Angeles and the the beautiful kind of locations out in California. I oh, it's going to be so good. And yeah, that yeah. that tr- gameplay trailer was fantastic. Mind-boggling. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think I maybe said in the last episode of the podcast that Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart may have been the most beautiful game I've ever played, but photorealistic Horizon Forbidden West is probably going to take the cake. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, just jump like exploring because I don't think you could really go underwater. Or if, oh there wasn't really gosh. anywhere, but like the that underwater footage. environments. Oh my god, it was so lush and alive. And then adding new monsters like the elephant, um, and then more kill mechanics where it's more stylized than the first one. Before it was whip out your bow and like hit it a few times, but this one seems to have. More depth. Yeah, more depth. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited for the hand glider um, and just to see that story progress. Me too. Yeah. I mean, it'd be interesting too to see, you know, um, having no idea where the story is going in this one necessarily, if this will be like a trilogy of games for Gorilla or if it'll end here. I don't know. I, I can't see or imagine with how successful the first game was, how successful this game is shaping up to be that Aloy's journey ends here. No, and I think three would be good, and it wouldn't overstay its welcome. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, I guess it depends. I mean, because you end... I don't want to... We can think off screen, but mm-hmm. like... Yeah, I, I don't want it to be overplayed so that the quality... If they decide to do four or five games, it'll turn into like Land Before Time. Where you got <laughs> like, let's add every type of dinosaur under the sun and make it cra- like singing. Yeah. But like... If they can wrap up a solid plot in three games and, like, tie a nice bow on it. Like, similar to, I mean, granted, Uncharted 4 is 4. But, like, have it conclude in such a way that's satisfactory. Yeah, well, in Uncharted 2, like, those are much shorter experiences. You know, Horizon's 20, 30, 40, 50 hour game. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm really excited. Good stuff, man. Me too. The problem is, like, with Horizon coming out. Like a week before Elden Ring? I know, it's tough. I don't know if I want to hold off on it. Yeah. And like play Elden Ring first and you play Horizon. Because there's no way I'm beating all of Horizon in mm-hmm. a week. No way. And that's... Yeah. You can it, come over here. Yeah, we can... You can just sit on the couch and watch me play the opening moments or opening hours Yeah, like or similar to God of War. Yeah. Um, and then I'll I'll wait for Elden Ring, and then if we're recording by that time, we can kind of have our own thoughts. Yeah, no, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. But I will get to my number five now, Ryan, which is something that we've seen showcased in a number of different conferences, whether it was PlayStation, Xbox, E3. I really can't recall the first time we've seen it, but I feel like we've seen this game a couple of different times now, and that's Tachia. Oh, is that the one with the little animals and things? Yeah, so this is where you play as this young girl. It almost it seems to take place in like Hawaii, like a very yeah. tropical type environment. Has Breath of the Wild type elements where you have your little, um, what does Link grab onto? A glider. Like this little glider thing. You run around, swim through these different environments. There's all kinds of animal life, both sea and land. And this young girl seems to have this ability and this mechanic where You can almost teleport into the mind of that animal. And I'm not sure the purpose of that gameplay element yet, if it's for puzzle solving or 
Um, you know, if you're like a little explorer where you just kind of make note of these different species or something like that, I don't really know what the gameplay loop here is, but it looks to be relatively Zelda inspired, uh, as you're wandering this tropical type environment and it just seems to capture, you know, a similar studio Ghibli joy filled energy that Kana did for me last year, just different gameplay type elements that, uh, I think I'm going to need. Yeah. I guess I missed this one of my honorable mentions. Mm -hmm. I've loved seeing that trailer like it has been like three different times um and gameplay loop wise i'm not really sure maybe it's just exploring running errands for your family on this island but Mm -hmm. like the ability to change into all of these animals and traverse this environment pretty quickly and Mm -hmm. i mean it's a beautiful environment it looks very nice um it's definitely seems like a relaxing gameplay loop it definitely does and also not really sure what it's used for but you seem to be able to play a ukulele as well um and that's used as some type of rhythm um gameplay element as well yeah whether ukulele is a platformer or an instrument anytime it's mentioned i think it's a game that deserves recognition i mean it might as well be my my number one you know it it really should be I, i think it's a shame that you're uh it's just not higher. Throwing shade at Yuka yeah, exactly. and Lele. So, yeah. But yeah, no, Tachia, uh, it's spelled T-C-H-I-A. I think this is certainly coming to Steam, and I believe it's also coming to consoles as well. So if it's not on your radar, definitely look up some gameplay footage. just looks like a very cute, adorable um, Zelda-type game. So that's why it makes my list. Very nice. Yeah. What's your number four, Ryan? My number four we already talked about a little bit on your honorable mentions and that is God of War Ragnarok. Mm, um, that's right. 2022, possibly. Um, I love the first game. I played it straight through Friday through Sunday night. And just coming off of, I mean, it speaks for itself, but coming off of the end kind of revelation of that game, I think there's a lot to be explored. And mm-hmm. I, we did a full episode on the first game when you beat it and our expectations for Ragnarok. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know what more I can add. I'm just extremely excited for this game. Yeah. I'm with you. Well, and there's, um, I won't even go there because it gets into potential spoilers. So I won't, I won't say anything. I'm just, a lot of people are wondering, I was listening to kind of funny games cast as they were kind of doing their predictions for this year. And one of them is, you know, from the gameplay footage they've seen to this point, it just seems very samey, very the same as God of War 2018. But they're wondering if they're really holding out on showing like maybe what they've shown at this point is like the first five hours. And yep. there's like a critical, crazy plot point five to six hours in where the game takes a turn and you're only playing as like a Treyas or something. Oh, I like mean, that. I think. Yeah, that's true. I think the first trailer or the trailers we saw for the first game. Um, in 2018 was just the opening like 30 minutes mm-hmm. right it's the father hunt hunt going after that troll and then killing the deer yeah and that's about it um for this one i could see this being the same i think we're going to be able to go through all of the realms um and there's obviously we've seen thor in the trailer um so it's whether they get into odin and we go that high up the chain that would be cool. It would be. And I love the misdirection. You know, we see it with the Marvel movies and some of these other blockbuster films that come out that are highly anticipated. But we also saw it quite a bit with The Last of Us Part Two. 
So yeah, that's very true. I I just like trailers that don't show me too much. Yeah, because most of the movie trailers nowadays, you know, the entire plot beat by beat, and you can see what happens in all those critical moments in the yeah. trailer. Yeah, I mean, like the new, recent Spider Man movie, mm-hmm. you see, yeah, it, it's just. It doesn't show too much, and it makes you guess based off of the characters that they show. And yeah. there's a lot of theory crafting, and I think that's going on right now. So the more it can sit in the uh, the furnace and get better um, in the melting pot, the better. All those analogies, man. I'm with you, for sure. Uh, my number four is Elden Ring. Nice. Yeah, so I mean... We've talked so much about this game. I, I always loved the idea when the rumors were just rumors at that point, when George R. Martin was collaborating with Miyazaki to build this Game of Thrones type inspired Dark Souls experience with it being open world. The footage we've seen to this point, I am so on on board with this, very much anticipating it. And even more so since I um, have been holding off playing the Demon Souls remake. It's been yeah. a while since I've played a Dark Souls type game, so um, I'll probably still hold off on Demon Souls for a while. Maybe later down the road this year, uh, after playing Elden Ring, it'll inspire me to jump in to that game. But man, I'm sure it's higher up on your list, and yeah. uh, I cannot wait to not only play it myself, but even more so see the excitement and enthusiasm <laughs> you have as you're beginning to play it. Yeah, I, I think you can guess where this is on my list, yeah. but... Um, yeah, I mean, going through the first trailer, breaking down literally every freaking frame <laughs> for 45 minutes. As the cicadas uh, applauded yeah, you oh gosh, in the like background. 100 decibels or whatever they were at the yeah. time. Um, yeah, I'm really excited. I, I have a coworker right now who's going through Dark Souls 3, and he's asking about bosses. He's He just beat that like big wizard person, and he's making his way to the Abyss Watchers, mm. and I'm... Like, he texts me or message IMs me during the middle of the day. He's like, hey, I just beat this boss. I was raging a little bit, but, like, ten times in, I beat him. Um, what do you think? And being able to, like, say, hey, if you do this, you can get some more XP or to explain it and just go through the lore. Um, it's just a fun process. Dude, Dark Souls 3 is so good. It's a great game. And the DLC is, I would say, even better mm-hmm. um, than the base game. Um, but jumping back into a more open world, I'm excited to see um, where it goes. I watched some YouTubers play, like Vati Vidya and stuff, play the betas that they specific YouTubers were allowed to play. Um, it looks like there's some balancing that I hope has changed based off of special abilities um, because they are pretty overpowered. Um, but the problem with us playing these games difficulty-wise is I've played dark souls 3 for 500 hours according to my playstation and i've platinum 3 1 like we go into these games expecting really hard games but we've also gotten used to them so many hours yeah that we're like setting ourselves up for failure i i i'm excited i'm it's going to be a beautiful game tons of new mechanics i love the horse and the flying around and just the wonkiness of all of the lore. I'm excited to explore it. Well, and that's one of the, th- the key things I'm excited about, too, because in the other prior Dark Souls <laughs> games, with them not necessarily being open world, a lot of those lore and story beats and elements were really kind of off the beaten path. You really kind of had to go out of your way to explore and talk to some of these NPCs that was built upon the existing story and lore. 
So with an open world like Elden Ring, I wonder how much of that's tucked away in these places that you don't really have to go to to continue or progress the main story. But if you're Ryan, you know, King Cole, you're going to go out of your way and find all those lore, lore and story beats. Yeah, don't don't worry. I will uh, usually the lore's in item descriptions and I'll I'll have lore to bring to the table. Um, worry ryan and dark souls are never going to be in the same sentence only because yeah. i have to stop you ta- from talking about it so much that's the only yeah. worry i have no i i'm really excited it's these worlds are built on so much and you can explore as much or as little as you want to um and i just seem to take the extreme route of wanting to know everything so it's more impactful um and like Going from Dark Souls 1 to Dark Souls 3, there's so much lore that carries over conceptually. Yeah. And building the world, too, is kind of its own thing. Um, but just the concepts of the Lords of Cinder and resetting the world into darkness or fire. It's, overall, story beats are going to be the same. But Miyazaki, through all of his games, likes to explore the concept of death. Mm-hmm. Um, Bloodborne, Dark Souls. So I'm exer- I'm curious on how george rr R. martin approaches his lore compared to how miyazaki does um and then how that plays off in the boss battles and all main characters are just gonna be dying right and left oh for sure dropping yeah. like flies i i'm excited i yeah. i could talk about this longer but yeah, yeah. i'm I'll, we will in about you know 10 <laughs> minutes but uh, yeah. what's your number three ryan uh my number three is coming out march 4th which is triangle strategy nice yeah um so i loved octopath it was it's probably up there with ori as far as best soundtracks of mm. all time for oh my me. goodness yeah um i constantly if i just want to relax or if i need music to calm down while i go through work stuff um it's fantastic and i can through different songs i can picture the environments that you play through because it's so specific whether you're in a desert you're in the um kind of northern snowy region um, whether you're in a cave or in a battle it's the music is so well done um i love the old style of turn-based rpgs that they are square takes with this one um and i'm just excited to see i've never played a was it a tactical rpg yeah yeah um so seeing how that translates because i've always wanted to potentially try fire emblem yeah fire emblem mm-hmm. um and i was always scared of the permadeath yeah um and i'm curious how i enjoy tactical rpgs but i'm more willing to try it with the style from octopath yeah that'll be a nice um, change so of pace for you yeah now it's not on my list because i still need to get around to playing octopath but triangle strategy does look very good so i'm excited yeah. to hear uh, when you, I assume, eventually get that, what you what you think about it. Yeah, I think once you play Octopath eventually, and hopefully that, fingers crossed, one of your Switch games that you decide to play when you're trying to check off all five consoles, mm-hmm. um, that'll, coming off of that, I assume you'll fall in love with it and want to go to Triangle Strategy. Yeah, no doubt, man. Well, my number three uh, might as well have been in the same list of the Final Fantasy 16s and Starfields <laughs> of the World of probably not coming out this year. Uh <laughs> I could see this game not making it until 2024, and that's Hogwarts Legacy. That's my number two. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the moment this game was announced, I was like, oh my goodness. Basically, Elder Scrolls meets Harry Potter. Yeah. Right now, the rumor is Q3 2022. Okay. Yeah. And so, 
Last night I was doing some research because I, I wasn't overly familiar with the development team that was making this and its history, how long it's been in development, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Whether this gives me confidence or scares me, I'm not really sure. Not that teams that made certain types of games can't evolve and graduate. You know, We've talked umpteen times over at this point that Insomniac originally was making stuff like Spyro and is now making stuff like Wolverine and Spider-Man and all of those high-profile AAA type games. But Avalanche Software, if you're not familiar with them, their uh, their track record is making games like Rugrats in Paris on N64. <laughs> Oh, fuck. <laughs> Zack and the Power of Juju on PS2. Oh, okay. Great little... Yeah, I like the platformer. Chicken Little on PS2, GameCube, and Xbox. Yeah, it's got some... Notable hits. Yeah, right? yeah. Really similar worlds to Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, so... I remember when Chicken Little was flying around on hippogriffs and yeah. bestrels. Oh, absolutely. Um, but no, so I pulled this wiki quote, um, just kind of laying the foundation and history of Avalanche Software. But again, Chronos Correction Corner, if this is off base. The studio was acquired by the game's arm of the Walt Disney Company in May 2005 and spent the next 10 years developing Disney-related titles, including, this is what gives me some hope too, the toys-to-life game Disney Infinity in 2013. And then in May 2016, due to the declining toys-to-life games market, Disney decided to close the game's arm including Avalanche Software, Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment, who, of course, owns the Harry Potter IP, if I'm not mistaken, acquired the studio and reopened it in January 2017. So I don't know if that means that development on this game started in early 2017 or not. Yeah. But, I mean, to build out this game the way it was seems to be marketed and how we saw that gameplay trailer... I would think about five-ish, five, six years what it would take to do that game justice in development time. No, I think so, too. Um, I I never played any of the Harry Potter games. I know you played oh, most gosh, of them so freaking on all the consoles. Um, I, the, the Harry Potter world and universe is such a perfect place to have an RPG. It is. Um, it's just how well they do the combat with magic. And I could see that being hard as far as different spells, whether it's turn-based versus action, um, how you'd level up. Would it be studying? Would it be like a persona-esque where you have to go to classes? Yeah. Where you have to make relationships with your professors to level up specific things? Would you have to take owls? Would you have to deal with Death Eaters? There's so many different places that they could go. Would you hunt down Horcruxes? Would you be the main character or a side yeah, character? Yeah, does Harry Potter exist in this universe, right? Yeah, There's would, so you, many... would you be at Hogwarts? Would you be at one of the other schools? Yeah. Like the the German-Russian people I mean, considering it's staffs. called Hogwarts Legacy, I think we're probably going to be... Okay, fine. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> would you deal with other schools then? Would you have a Triwizard Tournament? Mm-hmm. Like, there, would you fight dragons? The, I mean, there's so many... It's just such a deep environment that you could create. I'm afraid that it's not going to be up to my expectations, similar to my high expectations of Pokemon. But luckily, this would be the first installment, hopefully, of many games. So I have my expect 
expectations kind of set at a middle ground mm-hmm. opposed to high. Um, I want this to be amazing. I don't care if this comes out fucking in 2026. Mm-hmm. If they do it well, I'll be happy. I mean, if Rugrats in Paris is anything to go off of, man, I mean. <laughs> that was a good movie. Yeah. I mean, is that the one with the, like the green uh, like raptor tar thing? First of all, his name is Reptar. All right. Reptar. Get your I'm shit thinking together. Tyranitar. My gosh. Get your mind off Pokemon that- for a gosh darn second. <laughs> I can't. I can't. <laughs> Oh, yeah, man. no, I – the studio titles in their past, I mean, I'd assume that their employees turned over. Like, there's no way you're you're shutting down a studio in 13 and then you're coming back with the same employees in 17, mm-hmm. right? So, four years off, they'd probably go to different studios. Mm-hmm. So, whatever talents they pulled under the name of Avalanche, mm-hmm. hopefully they're good uh, – environmental designers and all of the designers that come in well it. rumor has it the reason that elder scroll 6 is not releasing for another 10 years is because they pulled todd howard from bethesda so he's kind of managing both starfield and hogwarts legacy right now fuck we're screwed dude i'm kidding well, <laughs> I, I, I have no well, idea i mean hopefully avalanche has a better like system or well i have hope yeah, that's why this one is above like God of War and Horizon on my list mm-hmm. is because, I mean, I love Harry Potter. No, me too, man. I, I've spent seven hundred hours drawing the characters from Harry Potter. Yeah, um, and yeah, I I've watched the movies like twenty times each. I yeah. dressed up as a Death Eater, which looking back is probably the nest not the best paint face paint, but no, yeah, I I. I'm super excited for this one, and I hope they're able to do it justice. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I hope that, you know, in a future conference, State of Play, Xbox Showcase, whatever, that we get wind on, you know, where the development cycle's at. Um, Just another trailer would be great. Yeah. It's been, what, five months? Was there only one trailer that came out? And I thought that was 2020 that we saw this game because it was at the PS5 like reveal party or whatever the heck. Was that 2020, not 21? Last year flew by. I, <laughs> I don't know where it went. We got PS5s in 2020. Really? Yeah. <laughs> My life. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, shit. I guess it's been a year and a half. So it still doesn't give me hope for it coming out Q3. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. We'll see. We'll I'm, see. I'm excited. Yeah. So that was your number two. Yes. All right. So my number two was Horizon Forbidden West. Cool. Which we've already talked about. So what is your number one? Uh, Elden Ring. Yeah. <laughs> it's been my, I think it was looking at my old list for last year. It was my most anticipated. Mm. Um, and then they pushed it back because they didn't show anything last year for the most part, except for like one trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, I I mean we just already talked about it. I'm ex- I'm really excited. Good stuff, man. Yeah. Well, my number one, joking aside, I know earlier when you said that Kirby in the Forgotten Land was your number seven or six or whatever the heck it was. Yeah, it is absolutely my most anticipated game of the year. I love Kirby as a character, and I've been wanting it to you know stretch into the 3D platforming scene for years. And we've never quite gotten there. You know, you have stuff like Crystal Shards and the N64 that's that's more of that two and a half D type platformer, but built from the ground up, 3D platformer. It does look more 
Mario 3D world as opposed to like a Mario Odyssey style 3D platformer. Mm-hmm. But who knows? I really try to steer clear of um, some of the more recent gameplay footage that's been released. And it's coming out, I think, early to mid-March, uh, which is great because Lauren March actually... 25th. March 25th. Okay. Well, Lauren has to go to Canada for a business trip oh, cool. around that time frame. Uh, my birthday is March 22nd. So what better way than for uh, the bros, you know, Scooby and me, to just <laughs> chill in the house and play some Kirby when Lauren's out of, out of that place. Very cool. So, um, yeah, no, for- Forgotten Land looks great. And uh, Kirby, 3D platformer, that's just music to my ears. Yeah, I'd almost prefer it to be the side-scrolling um, kind of 2D Um or two and a half D for me, because um, I've always liked the three or the two D Kirby look, um, where you're sucking in people. Well, dude, but, I have like three three DS Kirby games. I got a couple on Wii. Play one of those, all right? Well, I know. I don't want to hear your complaints about th- Kirby and three D platformers. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'll get around to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Kirby should be whatever Rusty wants. That's right. Because he's the Kirby fan, and Ryan's just a poser. <laughs> Damn straight. <laughs> yeah. You heard it here. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. That's a wrap for our most anticipated games of the year. Some honorable mentions, fun goals Ryan and I have for ourselves this year as it relates to game playing. I think it's going to shaping, it's shaping up to look like in words and stuff, a good year for gaming, just as 2021 was. Yes. So for sure. If uh, you want to get get at us in the Discord or send us an email uh, and just continue discussion about some of your most anticipated games, I'd love to hear from you. Drop in the Discord. Let us know what you're looking forward to, honorable mentions, or even just get some discussion going around what are some of your gaming resolutions this year, you know? Mm-hmm. Are you looking to play, you know, more story-focused stuff like Ryan? Or are you looking to play... Um, get into the RuneScape scene like myself. So uh, whatever it is you're looking to do, we love to hear from you. And uh, as I said at the top of the show, Otaku Brothers is going on a bit of a bit of a hiatus. What that really looks like, how long we'll be gone, I don't know. Uh, I certainly am going to be stepping away for a while. And uh, maybe we'll get Ryan and Lauren behind the mics, yeah. do a little sibling episode. Maybe this year we'll have more Ryan and Lauren episodes than we have Rusty and Ryan. Yeah, it's very possible. I was just, I mean, on our one of our many breaks to heat up our coffee, I was talking to Lauren, and some of the uh, indie games that she was playing were like a half an hour or three hours. So mm-hmm. maybe doing an indie episode or whatever we decide um, could be a good break for Rusty in his uh, real life. Yeah, a lot of stuff going on. But it's exactly, got to focus on that RL every <laughs> once in a while. So thank you, everyone, so much for watching. Um, except this actually is not a YouTube podcast. This is a uh, an audio podcast. <laughs> Watching with your ears. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I'm sure that's something you can do. But as we come to every Otaku Brothers close, I have to toss things over to my co-host and see, does he have any parting words or fun facts for our listeners? Yeah. And I, this is, might be a common fun fact. It still just blows my mind is um, every time you shuffle a deck, um, it's most likely that that combination of cards has never been shuffled that way before and will never be shuffled that way ever again really yeah and it has to do mainly with um it's called factorials i don't know how long it's been since you've studied factorials so it's just 52 exclamation point yeah basically it's 52 times 51 times 50 times 49 yeah and the number of combinations comes out to 8.06 times 10 to the 67th Ryan wasn't even looking at notes when he pulled that number out of the sky. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. So, like, if you think of six figures or a hundred grand, 
That's one times ten to the fifth. Mm-hmm. Add what sixty-two more zeros to that, Jeez. and that's how many different combinations there are. Mind-boggling. Yeah, and there are other statistics like it's more than the number of stars in our universe. But yeah, it's it's a lot of different combinations, and it's weird to think. Um, it's similar to um, like one of my other facts previously is like a class of twenty-three has fifty uh, percent likelihood of having the same bir- like one. Oh, yeah. In the same yeah. uh, class with mm-hmm. the same birthday. Um, but yeah, just having, if I shuffle a deck, no one ever or will ever have that combination ever again is just fascinating. It really is. I mean, moral of the story here, friends. Uh, again, Shuffle is, a lot of cards of decks and maybe you'll have a match. <laughs> definitely. This is an educational program. Stay in school and gamble responsibly, kids. <laughs> All right. Gambling is promoted by Otaku Brothers <laughs> in 2022. No, please don't don't tie our names to that. Yeah. All right, everyone. Thank you again so much for listening, and we will see you at some point in the future. Yeah. See you guys. Have a good one. 